Welcome to episode 298 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. I'm writing a new book, my third, and my goal is to show you how purpose-first design and quality online facilitation lead to intentional engagement and memorable online experiences. But before you can dive into that material, there are some Zoom basics you need to have already figured out, which is why I've created dozens of Zoom tutorial videos, and I'll be featuring some of them each week for the next few weeks. This week, I'm focusing on what I call the Zoom Starter Kit. This is a collection of seven videos that cover how to update the Zoom app on your computer, Zoom settings checklist, the importance of eye contact, how to eliminate distracting background noise when presenting, how to stop going full screen when joining a meeting or someone sharing their screen, how to update your Zoom name, and what you should know about choosing a virtual background. We're no longer in 2020. It's time to get your Zoom skills upgraded. Get started with these basics by downloading my Zoom Starter Kit video collection. You'll get this resource and 26 additional Zoom tutorial videos at robbysamuels.com forward slash videos. And stay tuned over the next few weeks. I won't just stop at basic settings. I've got just what you need to master pre-event setup, managing slides, online facilitation, and designing breakout rooms that are intentionally engaging. If you need more than just the basics, I can help. I'm an event design consultant and executive Zoom producer recognized as an industry expert in the field of digital event design. Organizations like Feeding America and the California WIC Association trust me to run their online events, and I'd love to help you. Reach out and we'll schedule a chat. I'm excited to help you level up your Zoom game. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's guest believes that authors change the world. She works with professionals and thought leaders who want to write a book as a business growth strategy. She's the author of 11 books, including On Your Mark, from first word to first draft in six weeks, blog to book, repurposing content to discover the book you've already written, and the speaker author, sell more books and book more speeches, written with co-author Lois Kramer. She's helped over 200 professionals become published authors. Through her creative energy, she helps her clients identify the right book to write and develop a community of supportive, like-minded individuals who want to change the world through the written and spoken word, one word at a time. As a professional speaker with the National Speakers Association, she provides engaging programs and workshops to help audiences find their creative voice. She's adept at delivering high engagement virtual programs and in-person workshops and retreats. Please join me welcoming Kathy D. Faya. Great to be here, Robbie. Thank you so much for inviting me. Kathy, thanks so much for joining us for your place in Florida. Thrilled to have you here. Uh, As you know, this is a show about building strong networks and the context is leadership so tell me, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Well, it's interesting, Robbie. I have always been a leader. So I was thinking about this and, and thinking about my background as a leader. It's like when I was in Girl Scouts, I was the, the troop leader. Uh, when I was in um, uh, the Methodist Youth Fellowship with my church, I was uh, head of president of that. Um, my sorority, I was the president. I mean, I've always been elected as a leader. 
And so I never thought of myself necessarily as a leader, but what I think what I think has happened as a result of being in this leadership role so many times, it's a combination of things that I think I bring to the table. One is I, I think I'm a good visionary. I have a, a an idea of where the group is going and what what success looks like. So I think that's the first part of leadership is having that vision of success or achievement or fulfillment. Uh, the next step is, is um, having a strategy and a way to get there. <laughs> um, but that's not alone. You have to be able to execute. And so being able to roll up your sleeves and get the job done and do the hard work that's involved. And then probably with me, at least, there's been, I, I won't even say it's courage or chutzpah. I would say it's more of a sense of impatience. I want it to happen. I want it to happen now. If I'm waiting for somebody else, I, I feel like I'm waiting too long. So that has propelled me into leadership roles more often than not. When I see something that needs to be done, I see a way to get us there. Uh, I have the vision and all of that together. I just jump in and do it. (laughs) So I think that that has been the way I have discovered leadership and the way um, I've, I've come to find myself in these different roles. So vision, strategy, execution, and, uh, I guess the the impatience to to not yeah either impatience yeah, or yeah. courage or courage. chutzpah or, I like chutzpah for this yeah I, I do too <laughs> I do too actually <laughs> but the but the idea that is someone's got to do it I'm gonna do it right like that, let's not wait around for somebody else because somebody else may not ever raise their hand so it's time if you see something that needs to be done let's jump in there and do it. I can only imagine what that was like when you were a kid and how others would see that. I mean, you were talking about um, leadership roles that were more formal, but what were you like on the playground? You know, were you organizing kids to do activities? Were you like, did you have a business early on? Like, what, what were you like as a kid? Yeah, I was I was bossy. Uh, my husband calls me bossy to this day. That's that's his cleaned up version of it. But um, but yeah, I, I've always been this sort of take charge, see that something that needs to be done. And it's not that I'm just telling other people what to do. I'm jumping in there and doing it, too. But I am also telling other people, well, hey, if you want to get this done, then you need to do this. And hey, come over here and let's do that. So it's um, it's this notion of, um, yeah, somebody's got to organize all of that and pull it together. And again, because of my impatience, I tend to be the one that jumps in there to do it. <laughs> I, and the, the benefit of that is I'm sure your friends love that you created these experiences for them. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And we, we got stuff done and we achieved great things and we had a lot of fun. So it was, uh, uh, it was always fun being on the Kathy Fioc team or then the Kathy Dorton team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little did you know who you're going to grow up and marry back then. <laughs> I, I know. I know. <laughs> so was there someone you particularly looked up to that you maybe wouldn't have thought of when you were younger as a leader, but that was sort of the, the way you wanted to show up in the world? Like you had this sort of potential and either you saw them and thought, I want to be more like that. Or maybe they even saw that in you and nurtured that for you. Okay, so I've got a great story for you. My third grade teacher was Mrs. Sawyer. And Mrs. Sawyer happened to be the mother 
of Diane Sawyer. And um, Diane Sawyer is just that much older than I am. I think she's, uh, I think, nine years older than I am. And uh, the year that I had Mrs. Sawyer for third grade was the year that Diane Sawyer uh, was involved in the uh, Miss Junior Miss pageant. <laughs> and this is a national pageant. She became Miss Junior Miss for Kentucky. And then she won the whole thing. And so as a little third grader, I thought Diane Sawyer was all of that. I mean, I just thought she was so cool. She was so poised. She was so pulled together. And she was even back then when she was in high school. She was so together. And um, and, and Mrs. Sawyer told us, too, that in the scoring for the Miss Junior Miss, she got a perfect score on the interviewing uh, piece of that, which doesn't surprise me now thinking back to what she what she's done for a living and, and her whole career. But she was the one I really thought she was so cool. She was so pulled together. I wanted to be, of course, she, she didn't even know me. I wasn't on her radar at all, but I was, she was definitely on my radar. <laughs> I love this story. I love this. Like I knew them when. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. But no, I've always found her to be just so cool. She came to our class, too, and talked to us about what it was like to become Miss Junior Miss. And uh, and I don't remember the exact pointers that she gave, but um she was she was kind. She was engaging. She was smart. She had all of that going for her and she was able to use that. Then I continued to see that as her career unfolded. I got to see all of that. So she continually inspired me uh, throughout her career. And she still does because she's even though she's, I think, pretty much retired from um, television world. She still does appearances and and she always is so pulled together and so gracious and so smart. <laughs> I think it's so wonderful that you had this really positive role model that you, the the qualities you admired were the qualities you would want to have for yourself, but it was in a, such a positive way. You know, sometimes um, we look at people who are getting things done, but it's not in the nicest way possible. And here was somebody who was just, you know, had great talent, had great ambition um, and was showing up in this really gracious way, was sharing what they knew, was really smart about it. Um, that's wonderful at, at you know eight or so years old <laughs> to have a little glimpse into what life could look like. Um, when you were 12 or so, did you have a sense of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Was there like a, a plan as you looked ahead into college and beyond? And I don't even know if you went to college, but like, was yeah. your plan for post high school? Yes, absolutely. Um, when I was 12, I think I wanted to be an art teacher. And <laughs> I mean, I, I have my career has gone in so many twists and turns, and it's never been a straight line, and it's never been what I thought it would be. Uh, because here I am today as a book coach, and really only until eight plus years ago, I'd never even heard of a book coach or thought about a book coach. So my whole career has been an interesting set of twists and turns. My first career was a music teacher. Um, and then I, uh, 
that didn't work out for a number of reasons that were going on in the marketplace at the time. So then I became a, a switchboard operator and receptionist and then a payroll clerk. And then I stumbled, stumbled into human resources. And that's where I was for 20 years, first in the corporate world. And then I left that to become an entrepreneur and headed my own consulting company and did speaking and training and uh, working in that area. So it was only then from that did I write books and so forth that then propelled me into this brand new career now um, that I started as I was um, turning, I think it was basically my 59th birthday that I started this new company. So it's just been, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> it's amazing because I met you um, maybe 2015, I think is the mm -hmm. year. I think that was exactly. Yeah. Yes. And um, at the National Speakers Association annual conference influence is a very memorable moment for me. I, I made my way into the um, big dinner they have. I didn't know anyone. I thought I'm going to sit one on the front tables because those people seem to know what they're doing. Sat next to a board member. Board member grilled me on what my my business plans were. <laughs> and I mentioned I love a book. And uh, or no, I didn't even mention. They said, do you have a book? And I said, oh, I hummed and hawed. Uh, and they said, you need a book. And they, they got me out of the chair and led me over to you. <laughs> And I remember handed, that. I remember you handed me was, a button. Yeah, yes, my I ask, did. I ask did. got my book button and forced me I to talk about it. I remember that moment. I so do remember that. It's hard to imagine that you hadn't really been doing it for much, much no. before that. No, I'd just been in that maybe a year and a half at that point. I so, would never have known that. The way you were so clearly the go-to person in the room for that particular thing, you were so branded on, on point about it. And you've built an incredible community in that space. For me to have this conversation, of course, you had a history before that, but to see how it all built. So you chose to become an entrepreneur before the book piece. Absolutely. Uh, what was yes. that shift like? Because I mean, you, I mean, it took you a while to find your path in HR. You found your path mm -hmm. in HR. You spend spend 20 years there, which is a career. And that's comfortable. That's that's you know, regular paychecks. There's the false sense of security that we all buy into about working at a company. Totally false. Totally false. But we didn't know at the time. No, we, just, we didn't. You know. We assumed that that was the smart, solid way to go forward. No, I, I my last corporate job was at Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I was the head of um, field human resources for the Southeast region. I loved my job. I'd still be there today had they not reorganized the whole organization, uh, restructured, and um, they uh, we were centralized, they were decentralizing. Uh, I even considered um, a, a long distance um, kind of a relationship with my husband, you know, moving to the market and leaving him behind. I decided that jobs were easier to find than husbands. <laughs> so... <laughs> That is tweetable right so, there. Yeah, that, that is. <laughs> so um, that's when I decided. And, and about the same time, someone had um, told me that I had great speaking skills and that I should consider checking out speaking. And so um, I thought about it and I talked with my boss. I knew my boss told me that uh, like, I forget, it was like August that my job was going away at the end of the year. So I had a really nice runway and he was a great boss. And he said to me, Kathy, as long as you get your job done, if you are setting up your new business and your company, you just do what it takes to get the job done here and you have full 
rein to do what you need to do to get your business started. So he was just this great, awesome, awesome character. And um, that's when I decided I was going to launch this business and become uh, an entrepreneur. And that, and so I, I did that for like 20 years. I mean, I was not in HR in corporate America for 20 years. I was just in HR, the profession for 20 plus years. Got it. But, um, but no, my career in HR in a, the corporate world was only probably 10 years. Uh, and so I'm curious why you didn't go from that job to another job, like a job job. Like what, what, no, I just, you know, like, what was, <laughs> yeah. Like what was that? Did you, did you know entrepreneurs? Were they in your community already? Not really, not really. Um, Although my, my father was a physician. So in, in some ways, you know, physicians are entrepreneurs. They have their own practice and they have all of that. But beyond that, I had no other role models or individuals. Um, there was a, a guy that I took a class from at Kentucky Fried Chicken on effective communications where I learned the speaking thing. And he said, yeah, you should explore this. And he was the one that said, go talk to Elizabeth Jeffries and um, join the National Speakers Association. So I did. And and then and basically the, the uh, advice I got then was just get out there and speak. Just speak more, speak more, just speak whenever you can. So I did that. And then I dis- discovered I loved it and wanted to do it full time learned that there was there was definitely a path for me in speaking and training, especially with HR professionals within the Society for Human Resource Management. I was on faculty with them for over uh, 15, 20 years. I've heard this piece before about an external speaker coming into a corporate space and that being the moment that someone in, in the room goes, oh, wait, people get paid to do this. And like... <laughs> walks up to them and says, you get paid, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Just, it's yeah. a job. It's just, and they're like, what? You know, like, I think I it's know. sometimes hard to think of speaking as a profession when it's, you know, particularly if you're in HR, you do trainings, like it's just part of your job. It's just the right. thing you do. But you don't think about getting hired, especially hired at a bigger amount of money than you were currently getting for your salary. And where would you find people to pay you anyway? And then suddenly you realize, wait, we hire people all the time to come and do this. <laughs> light bulb moment. And I love that, that I you got a specific referral to a specific person and a, a resource like the National Speakers Association, like as an entry point. You know, I left my day job at the end of 2014. I was in nonprofit for 15 years, organizing fundraising events. And when I was in that world, I joined the association for fundraisers. So it was an instinct to immediately join the National Speakers Association when I was thinking, this is both feet and going into this entrepreneurship world. And I said, you know, I'll, I'm going to go 10 years to this event and figure out whether it was worth it. So that, you know, just like commit to this process. That was 2015. And it was, you know, because it's the kind of people you meet. And I mean, it sounds like that got you on a track, probably shortened your learning curve, gave you some insights. Oh my gosh. Suddenly yes. you're surrounded by all these people who are entrepreneurs and speakers and innovators it's amazing to me because, you know, you could have had this idea and not been able to build it very easily um, if you hadn't had that one conversation. Absolutely. So that really set me on this wonderful trajectory. And NSA has been the most amazing organization to be surrounded with people who are, who are 
you know, taking their thought leadership and monetizing it and um, thinking about creative ways to uh, let their readers, audiences consume their thought leadership is just a fascinating uh, thing for me. I I love what I do. (laughs) Yeah. Was there a particular challenge as you made that initial shift into entrepreneurship? Like, you know what you know, but like, how did you figure out how to fill the gaps of knowledge and maybe... There were some people you need to kind of bring in team wise. What was what was and what I, I'm I'm a really good person for you know having questions and then saying okay who can who can answer that question for me? There's somebody out there who knows the answer, and asking questions, uh, getting involved at the local chapter level, and just saying hey who do you know who who can be the best resource for this problem or that problem, and that's exactly what I did. I really took full advantage of my membership and the the contacts and friendships that I was developing within NSA and was never fearful for raising my hand or picking up the phone because back then we didn't even send emails. We just picked up the phone and we called people out of the blue. Um, for next exam- you're going to tell me you're going to tell me next that you licked stamps in your life. I did. <laughs> and envelopes. <laughs> and envelopes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I know. I'm a dinosaur. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's that's the way it happened. Well, it, for, a great story about that was um, I was writing my my it was actually my second book and it was on the aging workforce. And um, I'd heard from my friends at NSA, you know, think big, think about who you could ask, you know, don't, don't think small. So I thought, okay, who, who is the biggest name I can think of where I had some sort of remote connection? Well, my book was on the aging workforce. Uh, Art Linkletter had just written a book, Old Age is Not for Sissies. And uh, I had heard him speak and he was a member of NSA. And I thought, well, that's really, that's really going big, but oh, why not? You know, what could it hurt? So I sent him a letter that was back in the day. (laughs) We sent letters and and I said, you know, I'm a fellow member of NSA. I have this new book. I've, I've admired your work. And would you be so kind as to provide a testimonial? And he was like, of course I would. So uh, one of my great pictures that I treasure is a picture of me at at one of the influence banquets. And uh, Art and I are posing with uh, him holding my book and uh, holding it together, actually. So what a great memory. I love it. Yeah. You and I share a philosophy. I believe that uh, relationships are the answer to any business or life challenge. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think that that's just yes. like core, a core message here for anyone listening to take that away. Really like the fact that you open yourself up to possibilities. You put, the, you put your ass out there into the world, even though it wasn't as simple as a tweet. You made it happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a lot more complicated back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Purposeful. You had to be really purposeful about your, your yes. intentions and follow through. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious as you, um, you had that career, but it sounds like late in life, you decided that you were going to do another shift. What led to your current, uh, business configuration as a business, uh, as a, a business author, I'm, I'm trying to yeah. think of how to, like you're yeah. focusing on, it's not just, you're focusing on writing. It was, you're focusing on professionals who are trying to grow their business through writing. So it's, it's like within, I mean, it's sort of a genre within a genre within a genre in some ways. What, what was the path into this world? 
Well, it's, again, an interesting story. Um, And basically, it all came down to NSA, again, the National Speakers Association. I've been a member now uh, for more than 35 years, and um, uh, I got a call from the president of my chapter. And he said, Kathy, I heard a rumor that you wrote one of your books in less than six weeks. Is that right? And I said, well, actually, I've written four of my five books at the time uh, in less than six weeks. And uh, he said, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Do you have a process? And I thought that was the most interesting question because I thought, well, I don't know. Do I have a process or not? Yeah, I guess I do have a process. He said, would you be willing to give a program for a chapter about your process? I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. It would force me to document all of that and put it down. Yeah, yeah, I'd be glad to. And he said, um, well, before you say yes, we have a couple of our chapter members who are working on their books. Would you be willing to coach them on your process and then give your program? And I said, oh, well, you, you had me give a program. <laughs> I'm I'm in, and I think it would be fascinating because I do know that the process works for me, but I have no clue does it work for anybody else. So I started working with these two uh, two friends of mine actually, and pretty early on in the process, they said to me, "Kathy, have you ever thought about becoming a book coach?" And I said. No. <laughs> Is there such a thing? Is there even a need? And they said, absolutely. Absolutely. There are a lot of people who know they want to write a book, but they don't know how to get started or they get started and then they get stuck. Uh, so, yes, there are, and especially members of NSA, there are lots of folks who are speaking or training or they want to get their thought leadership out there, but they don't have a clue because they're not writers first. So, I thought that's that is so cool. So anyway, so I gave my program eventually for the chapter. And once again, I've been a member for so long. My friends came up to me and said, Kathy, have you ever thought about becoming a book coach? And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm getting a message loud and clear. So that was in the spring of 2013. And by January of 2014, I launched the new business as a book coach working with professionals who wanted to write a book as a business growth strategy, which is different than people finishing their dissertation or people just wanting to write the great American novel or, you know, those people, I can still probably help them with process, but my real expertise is in helping individuals write a book that help position them for business growth or career growth or to establish their ministry or to establish that platform in some way. I am so happy to finally hear the origin story for this greatness yeah. that I know is <laughs> Kathy Fia and the book coach. Like uh, this is so, it's so how I think of you um, that it's hard for me to imagine that it wasn't evident to you. Uh, but I love also the story of how the, the chapter itself inspired this, encouraged it, gave you a way to test it out and pilot it before you even knew you were piloting it. (laughs) I know. I I had no clue. (laughs) I just thought I was helping out a friend, which is, which is, by the way, I think how a lot of good things come to us, you know, by raising our hand and saying yes to possibilities, I think is a, is a fabulous way for us to to personally grow, but then to find this passion that is there inside of us that we would never have discovered otherwise. Well, and it's 
it's hard as a person who has a skill to recognize the value of the skill. You developed that skill over time. At some point, it's not as hard for you to do X as might be for others who are witnessing what you're doing, but you're not giving a lot of, it's just not, it doesn't seem like, like for me, my first time hosting a virtual happy hour was March 13, 2020. And I had already been on Zoom for a while and I'd facilitated groups and masterminds. And so I did a good job facilitating online and I didn't think of online facilitation as a skill. And everyone was like, wow, this was the best you know, online experience I've ever had. And I thought that was a really boring format. I'm never doing that again. And that was my, my judgy assumption of myself. But then people were like, this was great. Are you doing it again next week? And it was like, oh, oh, this is like a thing people need. Like, I think it's no. really hard to see that. I do too. And that's what I love about being a book coach is I see in other people their zone of genius that sometimes they they don't mm-hmm. even they they can't conceive. They just think it's so easy for them or so commonplace or so everyday, so mundane. They can't see their own brilliance. And what I, I think that's my number one job as a book coach is in helping people step into this oh my gosh, I can do this and other people need this. And this is what I was put on this earth to do. That is so exciting to me. One of the pieces of advice I got when I was writing my first book was to sell my first book. The best thing to do was to write book two. Mm. Um, And I finally did that. And I'm now on book three. I'm working on book three. And you were a big inspiration. I remember taking some of your writing prompt classes early on to get some structure to what I was trying to do. It's so hard to tease the information out of my head. <laughs> um, I'm not a fan of the writing process. <laughs> it's like the thing I do in order to have something to market. I love the marketing process, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> me too. See, I really don't like to write, which I think makes me a pretty good book coach because I'm not one of these who says, oh, just I love to write. So just sit down and just just enjoy it. No, no, it's hard work. It's really hard work. And um, so I'm all about helping people find ways to become more productive, more ways to tap into flow, ways to make it not so painful. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I've learned to do is to host um, programs on the topic because then it, it forces me to create the agenda and create the content. And I end up creating like like I did a program yesterday that is related to the new book and I now have new bonus content <laughs> for the book already. And then, and it's probably a few chapters too. Like it's, it's like, I got to really get creative about how to get it out of my head. I'm not just like sit down on the blank page and just like every day at 10 o'clock, it's going to happen. Um, and I love that you're, you're acknowledging that because everyone has a little different process, but if, if you're not a writer, you're really a business person who needs to write a book in order to build a platform you're not coming to this because you love writing, right? Yeah. It's marketing, it's yeah. branding. Right. In fact, some people have tried to, to steer me to these audiences where it's people who love writing. And like, those are not my people. People who love writing, write. <laughs> if you love writing, you write and you don't need a book coach. But if you know writing is going to help you benefit your career, establish your thought leadership, and it's just painful or just hard to do, then that's where you need a book coach. And that's where I come in. I love how clear you are on the specific, um, I'm going to use the word niche, even though it's a little overused here, but Mm -hmm. it's so specific about who you market to. And I think that's, that comes with time. You've been now doing this now for almost a decade. Um, I think Mm -hmm. you really start to get clarity on that. 
because you want the right referrals. So I, I love right. this. So speaking of referrals, speaking of sort of your larger community and network, um, as you're thinking about your, um, you know, your, your network, you sort of your close contacts, your close friends, you know, you're going to stay in touch with them. But when you look at your second and third layers or second and third tiers out, these are people that you might see once a year at a conference, like you and I are always going to cross paths at the conference. Right. <laughs> um, maybe it's someone you worked with five years ago, but you haven't had a reason to since then. Um, but you like these people, I should mention. <laughs> yes. <they> like you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you do to stay in touch? What, what are your habits or philosophies or practices to, to, um, to nurture and sustain those kinds of connections? Well, I believe that it's not one size fits all. It's, it's really thinking about um, what are all the thing, different things that you could do to stay in touch with your community. I know I'm, I'm in the process of moving from Louisville, Kentucky to Punta Gorda, Florida. And so I, I'm, I'm in town and um, I saw a, a post from a friend of mine. We were in a mastermind group together. We're no longer in that group together, but I saw something from her and I said, oh, Amy, we should get together. And uh, we had dinner last night and it was just fabulous. We just picked right up where we left off. But I think it's that kind of thing. So looking for the opportunities. And then we even checked our calendars. Like, is she going to be coming to Florida? And, and if so, when would that be? And of course, that's when I'm coming to, to Louisville for something else. But, but the whole idea is that you look for ways to stay in touch and you're actively, and I do it not because it's good business to do it. I do it because I really like the people that I've worked with and that I interact with. And it's just part of the, the, the fabric of, of life. You know, it's, um, it's, it's so good to nurture those relationships. So looking for ways to continue the relationship um, in spite of the geography, in spite of the, um, you know, the work employment address or whatever might be, uh, is just looking for ways to keep in touch. And thank goodness, social media gives us a, a great way to do that with LinkedIn and Facebook and some of those platforms are wonderful. We didn't, we didn't have back in my day, <laughs> in the early days, <laughs> but now it's, it's super easy to tr keep track with somebody, even though they may change jobs multiple times, but reaching out and to those, those networks and, um, and not just liking, but commenting and, and uh, interacting with your friends on social media. So I've been doing this show for nearly 300 episodes and I have sort of heard such a variety of great um, sort of tips and it often comes down to taking action when you hear the voice in your head say, oh, oh, I haven't talked to Amy in a while. Like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. It. So it's not a formal strategy, uh, although there are things that I do. I have a newsletter and I, I do work social media and I do all of those things. And I, and I show up what Amy and I were talking last night about the value of showing up, of, of going to we, we both were members of NABO together, the National Association of Women Business Owners. But just showing up sometimes is half of what it takes to sustain those relationships because you see people and you're able just to, to say, you know, catch up a little bit on what's happening or talk about what's next on someone's agenda or being able to help them with that next project or whatever it might be. So showing up is really important too. Do you have any formal pieces of the system, any lists or, um, I mean, not that it has to be a big CRM, but you know, do you, do you have like a, 
um, a list of who you want to stay in touch with or a time of the week that you reach out or anything formal like that? Or is it really just like as as you get the inspiration? As I get inspired, although I do have a regular newsletter that has forced me to do regular writing. At least once a month, I put down together a newsletter. And it's, it's as much for folks to see what I am doing as a book coach uh, as it is for me to also showcase my authors and create a community of authors. I'm, I'm really big about not just, it's not just about me and my tribe. It's about my tribe connecting with one another. That is really, really important to me. So, uh, it's creating systems and strategies for that. So, doing retreats or having um, author forums or having things where people can come together online or in person that uh, allow that connection. Not just, again, not just between me and the client or my authors or whatever, but so that they can build community and serve one another. So I think that's what we're all on this planet for, for doing that. Yeah. Supporting one I've, another. I've definitely um, witnessed that. And I feel like that is one of the ways you stay top of mind for me as I'm getting those emails. And because I know you host a lot of really great virtual events, um, it's, those are emails that I'm like, oh, I should see what's going on. Like it, it's like, I'll, I should check because who knows, like my schedule might fit or, oh, that's an interesting author. I want to learn about that. Or maybe there's a process I'm going to get to learn about related to writing. And so it's just, I think that you're putting out great content. You're giving us an opportunity to connect with the other people in your network. Um, Mm -hmm. You're, you're a great convener. In fact, I should thank you formally. Now you hosted my virtual book launch for my first book before virtual book launches were the thing (laughs) everyone was doing. I know. I know. It's, it's funny how, you know, I, we were so, you know, um, ahead of our time then. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, but that's the whole idea is just thinking about how can I reach out and involve others in this process and being creative about how you do that. Yeah, that's awesome. So one of my favorite sort of wrap up questions is if we're um, checking in next year at the conference, I want to know what you're going to be celebrating with me. What are we going to be toasting? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? Well, I think um, working on a new book. Uh, <laughs> And what I found is I love collaborations, so I like to to pick people that I think would be a nice match. Like I've collaborated with Lois Kramer in the past, um, and uh, so Allie Pleider and I are going to be collaborating. She's another full time writer. We collaborate on a number of projects, so we we talked about it at Influence. We roomed together at Influence, so we brainstormed a little bit more, and I sent her the initial outline. So hopefully. My next uh, influence, it will be a reality, but also just to maybe, um, you know, more more authors who are, you know, getting their books out and are celebrating the fact that they have stepped into their thought leadership in, in really significant ways, that they're making the world a better place. <laughs> it's incredible that you've helped 200 people already do that. I mean, that's a, an astounding metric. It really is. I, I just sometimes can, can hardly believe it, but I have a list, you know, <laughs> and I don't even know. It's, it's well over 200 now. So I, I need to start looking at that metric and seeing when I'm going to reach 250 or 300. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I can't wait to celebrate all of that success with you. I love getting to see you at this event um, and, and, and you always host wonderful gatherings for authors and, and would-be authors. Uh, how can people find you and follow your work? Well, 
Uh, it's pretty simple if you remember my name, and that's the hard part. <laughs> it's Kathy Fiock at Kathy or Kathy at KathyFiock.com. My my website is just my name, KathyFiock.com. So it's super easy. And uh, folks, I would love for folks to to join my email list and um uh, there's lots of free events that I put on, lots of things that I host for aspiring authors and authors who want to continue to get their, their wisdom out in the world. So um, that would be great for folks to connect with me in those ways. Well, I highly encourage them to do so. We put all those links in the show notes at onthechmooze.com. Also have a link to all of the books you have as well so people can check out the great resources. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Thank you, Robbie. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kathy. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 298. That's also you'll find all the links and resources in today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. Don't forget to subscribe or follow for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review. Thank you in advance. I look forward to connecting again next week and I'll be interviewing another talent professional who achieves success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.